Assalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. A couple things that I wanted to start off with something pretty funny. Did you guys see this? No. No, I didn't see it. All right, here we go. New Jersey is the most stressed out state. And I was saying, and then they wonder and they start asking us why the Safina Saidi podcasts were so rough around the edges. <laughs> All right, so this one says nj.com. We were rated. I don't know who did this rating. Okay. Zipia. You ever heard of them? No. All right. So Zipia uh, graded us as the most stressed out state. All right. <laughs> Having to sit in traffic and route one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's pretty that, miserable. Our highway, man. That's pretty miserable. Our, all right. Here it is. Commute times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unemployment. Hours worked. Population density. Home price to income ratio. Right. And percent uninsured. Wow. Okay. So the higher any of these was, the more stressful the population is. So that's uh, basically how it goes. So you guys didn't see this thing? No. no, All right. Every state was 1 to 50. The least. Okay. Oh, no. The the least stressed were Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, North and South Dakota. They're barely alive, let alone be stressed. (laughs) There's nothing going on. I would be, if if it was depression, they'd be the highest. (laughs) Uh, but, but it doesn't tell us where New Jersey uh, uh, landed. What's our score out of 50? Let's see. Zipia. Firstly, who is Zipia yeah, in the first the place? Thing. All right. So New Jersey ranked at dark blue, which is highly stressed, but it didn't say a score. It didn't give us our number score. One. We're number one. Totally but what is the actual score, though? Who's number two? Number two? It was uh, Georgia. Which wow. is weird. And yeah. Florida, Ooh, which is know. weird. I don't know. What's going on there? California, Probably all in Atlanta. Test, yeah. California, yeah, I can see that. Uh, all right. New Jersey. Georgia. How are they stressed in Georgia? Must be it. in Atlanta. Florida. <laughs> California. New York. <laughs> like, how is New York number five? Oh, you know, you know who ruined New York or offset the balance? All oh, the uh, upstate yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. Buffalo, Rochester, those states that really oh, yeah, like yeah. Troy. Uh, those parts, yeah, Albany, they don't even really count as New York. They shouldn't even be counted. in the city, they're super up there because I worked with some yeah. of them. And they shouldn't even be counted as New York. Yeah, New York City should be part of New Jersey. Like, yeah. You should. think about it, like the yeah. culture and all of that. In order to get to North Jersey, you have to pass Manhattan. Right. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't say the score that we got. It just says commute, unemployment, hours worked, population density. And by the way, I actually personally love population density. Like, I can't stand. Yeah, I don't see why that's a big deal. I can't stand going to these places where there's there are no people. Yeah. It just... just the long commutes, though, I get. Yeah. Yeah. The long commutes are a byproduct of the population density. That's true. the entire population uh, is sitting on the turnpike. Yeah, that's, that's true. A good point. That's a good point. There's your lawyer brains coming in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do, do I need to do an introduction here? So we got um, uh, Hamza Qureshi on my right, Harun Sadeh on my left, and we have a couple of things to talk about. So the first thing we'll talk about is um, the first thing that I want to talk about <coughs> is uh, what everyone's talking about, which is Khabib, right? <laughs> <laughs> everyone's happy with Khabib. So first of all, yeah, it's true. Uh, there are rule. We do have rulings on boxing and everything, but uh, or fighting in general. But, I mean, it's not really the time to bring it up, right? I mean, the timing to give a fatwa on the issue is not the right timing. 
So, but the but you guys said like you you watched it. I watched it. How was it? Oh, it was amazing. It was like like he destroyed him. Yeah, four rounds of dominance, not even close. Really? Absolutely. Wow. And like, for a guy who was the defending champion, yeah, like it was it was embarrassing. And what's his name? Uh, he's lost two fights in a row now. Right. Well, I don't know if you can count well, the boxing one as a loss. That was like a joke, right? It was. He went out of his comfort zone to make some money. Yeah. He he held his own. Yeah. And, and I actually think he got closer to winning. What I heard is that he got closer to beating what's his name? Mayweather. Mayweather. Then he got to uh, Khabib. Khabib. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, what when Mayweather fights, it looks like everyone has a chance against him. Just that's just his game plan. He's a defensive fighter. Uh-huh. Oh, is that so, how like, it is? He tires you out for like the first few rounds, yeah. and then he just finishes you. <laughs> All right, let's get to the topic that I wanted to talk about, which is that a number of people are actually, uh, they have a misconception on the issue of sexual abuse. That's the first thing. Okay. And the issue of sexual abuse is that uh, some people imagine that the hudud, the rules of the hudud are the only rules that apply to anything. In other words, if it's not a had punishment, like it's not a law, right? Or, or it's not a crime. And if you don't reach the had punishment um, criterion of witnesses, then it's not a crime. So then it's, there's no there's uh, no way to uh, prosecute the person at all. So this is actually totally wrong. And the first thing you got to know is that there's hudud and there's tazir, something called tazir. Tazir is discretionary punishment by the ruler or by the state. Okay. So when you have tazir, you basically got a situation where the community recognizes that such and such is wrong, and they establish a punishment for it. Okay. Now the punishment had there is a limit for discretionary punishments, and um, for example, if it would be physical, which we don't have today, which actually, believe it or not, this sounds crazy, but in Islam, in the Sharia, they recognize that a person could have rights and responsibilities at home. So by jailing someone, you're actually compromising responsibilities he was fulfilling for someone else, right? So let's say you got a, um, a guy who commits a crime. You jail the guy. Well, what if that guy had kids, right? What if he was taking care of his mom and his wife and three kids? So you've just done a type of oppression to those people, right? To those, that wife and kids. So rather, they preferred bring the guy in give him a couple lashes and send him home limping, right? So everyone could see what happened. And he, he, he reacclimates to society. People see him limping home, right? And they realize, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want that to happen. He's embarrassed in front of everyone too. Now, if you go to jail, you don't have to face anyone. So you, when, you, when you're found guilty in a court though, you got to face them. And you come home, you have to face your community. You'd be embarrassed, right? Everyone, and everyone makes an example out of you. Right, and at the same time, you don't miss out on the, your obligations and responsibilities that you might have been doing for someone else. All right, so that was the logic behind the idea of of corporal punishment. Now, the other idea, and we're getting it a bit off topic, is that corporal punishment isn't necessarily um, with a, like a whip. When they say lashes, it doesn't mean a whip. It was like like they used to take a thick piece of leather and they just strike the guy. Anyway, the, our point is not to talk about corporal punishment, right? But I'm just saying the theory of it makes a lot more sense than the theory of putting someone in jail. That's the first thing. The discretionary punishments, just uh, as an FYI, was a maximum of 10 strikes with a leather um, uh, strip, right? So you get a fat leather strip, so you don't cut the skin, but you just uh, cause him to be in pain for a couple days. 
So you give them some serious bruises, but it's, it's a, it should be a maximum of 10. All right? Anything else that the society deems is wrong, is punishable, they can, through their judges, through their state, through whatever, okay, establish some limits and some punishments. Okay? Now, let's now look at the evidences. The types of evidences are three. The first evidence is the primary evidence, which is witnesses, eyewitnesses. Okay? The second type is secondary evidence, which is like an object. Right? So if there's fluid on a shirt or on pants, that's evidence, right? And the proof of that is that Prophet Yusuf was acquitted solely on secondary evidence, right? He was acquitted on the shirt being pulled from the back, not from the front. So if there was a struggle, okay, there would have been scratches on his front of his shirt, right? And the, but the struggle, but he wasn't involved in the struggle. He was being attacked from the back, right? So he was acquitted solely on the fact of being on secondary evidence. Then there's circumstantial evidence, right? So Hamza, I want to ask you, is that actually how it works? How, is three levels of evidence? Yeah, we have multiple levels of evidence. Um, the most preferred evidence in the American legal system is what we call viva, viva voce evidence. Which is? Which is like eyewitness testimony. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the same thing, eyewitness testimony. Yeah. Right. So, and eyewitness testimony can be judged, um, you know, based on the person, based on the one giving it. Now, here's another issue to bring up. The, the whole concept, a uh, man must have, his testimony is uh, like worth one, but a woman's is worth half. So the fuqaha talked about this. And some of the fuqaha have brought it, they've limited that to exactly what the Prophet ﷺ said, which was basically that. If there is someone going to be lashed or punished or lose a lot of money or lose a limb or lose something or lose his life, then at that point, the Sharia discourages women from giving those testimonies for the simple reason that doesn't want them to change their nature. Right. So we we believe beyond that gender is, is a given. We also believe that uh, each gender is created with certain attributes like divine attributes. We consider these like uh, good attributes that they should cultivate, okay? So women should have mercy and cultivate mercy and compassion. Men should have uh, justice and cultivate, right? Strength and justice. They should cultivate that. So for that reason, then Sharia does not want the man to be in a place where he would lose some of his strength, right? So I'll tell you what's makruh. It's makruh for a man to be a stay-at-home to be a stay-at-home dad. It will be valid. It's not like the marriage would be a divorce. But it's makruh because it, it takes away from his manhood, right? It takes away from his qayyumiyyah, uh, okay? Likewise, it's makruh for a, a woman to be the one who testifies against someone to the point that he's going to die, okay? All right, so that's the other thing. So those are some issues. All right, so we left off, uh, um, I don't know where exactly we, where we left off, but we were saying that you got three, you got anything that the society deems is a crime and isn't uh, something that would be contrary to Sharia is going to be a crime, okay? And they're going to have a limit on how they could punish, but the punishment itself will be called ta'zir or discretionary, okay? Now, why are we saying this? I'm saying this because there are some people... And some women have heard, apparently, that no form of abuse will ever go punished except 
if there are four witnesses to it. Now, in an issue like sexual abuse, you're not going to have four witnesses, obviously, because people do that in private, right? They do it when there's only two people, which is also why we understand now that the Prophet said, you have to, a man and a woman should not be alone in a room, even if he's teaching in the Quran, and even if it is Maryam bint Imran al-Siddiqah, okay? Even if it's the Virgin Mary, and someone's teaching her the Quran, or she's teaching the Quran to someone, right? They shouldn't be alone in a room. So now you understand that, and people sort of questioned that in the past and thought it was extreme. You, you actually can understand exactly that people are doing this now. They no longer want to be alone in a room with someone for other reasons, like executives don't want to get sued. Doctors don't want to get sued. Dentists, right, don't want to get sued. So uh, th it's the same thing, though. Essentially, it's the same thing, okay? Uh, so <clears throat> the, the issue is that if there are witnesses to abuse or multiple people claiming an abuse, okay, so who, who was the uh, Hollywood guy? Harvey Weinstein. It's mutawatir in that respect. Okay? It's mutawatir in that respect. So at that point, yes, uh, Qadi could do something. He's not going to give the guy 40 lashes or, or, or give him had punishment. But yeah, he could do something if it's mutawatir. It's widespread. And there are witnesses. And all the women or the victims are coming out. They're not related. They don't know one another. Okay? And yet they're still uh, bringing the same story or the same basic idea. Uh, like what Cosby went through, like what uh, Harvey Weinstein went through, okay, or, or did, and the, and the types of witnesses that came forth for him. So that could go um, and be prosecuted. It's not going to be prosecuted with a head, right? But it still would be a case, and a Qadi could look at it. And this is just because some, someone came up to me recently and thought or told me that other people think and imagine that if there are no four witnesses then there will be no justice or no action taken. Okay? And that they can't say anything. Now, here's a difference. There's a big difference between reporting something to the police and publicly making an accusation. There's a big difference. So you can report something to the police. Okay? It's very different from making a public accusation. Public accusations against people without evidence, okay? this is, and that's, I think, what Imam Zaid was talking about. Because I wasn't on... I wasn't online, okay? At that period of time, I was busy, so I was offline. But I happened to be with Imam Zaid at that time. Like, we were literally together probably in the, the few days that uh, he wrote his post, which everyone got upset about, okay? And all he was trying to tell me was that he was really concerned and alarmed by the idea of Muslims supporting the, this concept of just accusing someone, all right, publicly without any evidence, that's all he. That's what he told me, right? And that, to me, that's fine, right? I mean, we do agree with that premise, that that or that basic idea. However, something could be reported to the police, right? That there's nothing wrong with, because you're not making a, you're not going publicly and saying something that doesn't have any evidence. Because all you do is you create a he said, she said, right, type of um, division between people, right? So, what do you got to say on this? I have a question. Yeah. Um, so you talked about publicly accusing someone and you talked about reporting to the police. What about, um, similar to the case that Imam Zayda was talking about, whether, where you go and you accuse someone in court or like the, the trial, like the Senate hearings that were going on, which isn't exactly that, a court, but it kind of operates almost as a tribunal to see if the guy gets the job. Does that count as an accusation without enough witnesses or is that? Yeah, that would count as a public accusation. 
right? That's a public accusation. But then, like, how could you? Because he's yeah. So, but then, how would you ever? Like, how would you ever get justice for that? You would get justice by reporting it to the police, and once the police have received multiple reports, right? But the police won't do anything unless they have enough evidence to say, okay, we can prove beyond 99% uh, doubt that um, this... Okay, so how was Harvey Weinstein being... uh, How was he... I'm not sure. I don't don't know the specific... So there's got to be a level where if there are multiple accusers who have nothing to do with one another, who don't know one another, right? And their story is the same story. Mm-hmm. And usually these people act in the same way. For example, uh, the NBC guy. I always forget these people's names. Uh, what's the NBC guy who got from the Today Show? Matt Lauer. Okay. So Matt Lauer's case was that he was so famous in the world, like he couldn't do his the zina that he wanted to do in public like he couldn't go find a woman in pub uh, or not in public i mean um outside of his home or workplace because he was so famous right so he had to do it in his job so these people they have a repeat cycle most offenders like this they have a habit and a pattern because they live their regular life and they could only wiggle out a certain spot in their regular everyday life where they do their abuse right so matt lauer it was at work Harvey Weinstein, it was during the interview process or whatever, someone to get a job. Um, Bill Cosby was the same thing. He had a a typical pattern, right? He had a repeat pattern where he basically would just take the people upstairs to his room and drug them. So if those stories all pan out and they're all separate to the point that the women don't know one another, I'm telling you, and and there's nothing, I I haven't seen anything in the books, but knowing the basics of Sharia, there's there can be action done taken on that right there can be action taken just on that there's no way that that could just be left so i have another question so from my understanding um the um the idea of uh, like when you bring for when you accuse someone you bring four witnesses Mm -hmm. that's me say i'm accusing another person of doing something wrong right and i have to bring four witnesses for my accusation to stick right um, to establish that there's truth, but in this situ- in, 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 in certain cases, yeah, four witnesses. Yeah. yeah. So, like in in situations of sexual abuse, typically it's not a third person; it's the victim right. who's alleging. She's not bringing false accusations. She's she knows it happened. For her, it's an absolute fact. Yeah. Right. That yeah. this that this happened. Right. So she's bringing an allegation that oh this guy raped me. Yeah. Right. So for her, it's an absolute fact. She's not she's not slinging accusations. So I think that's a little bit factually different than than bring than me bring out. That's a good point. Yeah, person. that's a good point. But in terms of um, when when if someone is to, to label someone as the victim, right? Then you need at least a piece of evidence, secondary evidence. Right? Yeah, well, for someone to be found guilty. Yeah. Right, but but like, isn't the entire court process in um, it's there to establish guilt or innocence? Yeah. So like. If a person brings an accusation, like similar to, like say, what happened with in the recent Supreme Court hearings, right? Mm-hmm. The first lady, she she brought allegations saying that oh, I was abused, right? And then after that, a few more women came out, yeah. right, and saying that oh, he did it to me too, or oh, I saw him do this kind of behavior. That so yeah, so other other people came out saying oh, I saw behavior from this man which was consistent with the allegations that that 
uh, of sexual abuse or different things giving circumstantial support to it. So her thing wasn't so much, okay, let me just lay accusations to him. Yeah. Let's let me bring my story out because she was harmed by this. Right? Yeah. In the case, in the actual specific case of uh, Dr. Ford, she didn't really appear at all to be uh, slinging an accusation. Right. Like she appeared totally genuine. Uh, and I think I, don't, I haven't heard a single person, maybe some uh, of his supporters, but I haven't heard a single person put a doubt uh, besides Trump, who went off and gave a speech. Right. And, and said, well, she doesn't remember anything. But she really didn't look like she was just slinging an accusation for the for fun. Right. And but like you said, like you still technically speaking. OK, you still need something to to make someone guilty. Right. And by the way, a sister asked, like, if you can't make someone guilty on the earth, then will they be found guilty in the sight of Allah? Well, obviously, Allah knows and Allah sees and Allah doesn't need any witnesses. And I'm saying that because some people actually do imagine that no um, justice will be had if there are no witnesses. Well, if you're a mu'min and you believe in the akhirah, yeah, you will get justice in the afterlife, right? And just because someone is not found guilty does not mean they're innocent. And they have to understand, people have to understand that too, because it's also imagined or thought that just because when we say the word that there's no evidence means that we don't believe you, right? And the Prophet, peace be upon him, he had a, a reverse case where a man, a, he, was, he was a dark-skinned man. Mm-hmm. She was a dark, uh, he, he was a, uh, um, a brown-haired man married to a very dark woman. In the time of the Prophet he comes in and he accuses her. Okay, he tells the Prophet tells the Prophet I came home and I saw my wife sleeping with another man, and and the man is so and so, and that man was known and famous for having red hair, right? He was of a reddish complexion. The Prophet grew angry, okay, and said, "We'll see what happens." When the baby comes out, however, do you have four witnesses? He said, no, I don't have four witnesses. He became angry. And then he told the Sahaba, he said, if she gives birth to a red-haired baby, right, and he made a dua against her, right? But he told the man, you have no recourse. There's nothing you can do, right? There's nothing you can do because you didn't have the evidence. So he believed the man, but he knew that he couldn't, uh, he, he, he couldn't do anything about it. And then the baby came out with reddish hair, right? So he separated between the husband and the wife. Because once you accuse your wife or vice versa, you can't be married anymore, right? So that's how huge an accusation is. So for people to understand that just because in any situation where you're saying there's not enough evidence does not mean we don't believe the person, right? Because think of how traumatic it is when you get victimized and then no one believes you, right? So, and especially like your family, right? You got to expect your family to believe you if you get victimized. However, the, that that's one thing, and the actual finding of someone to be guilty is another thing, and that's exactly why the whole issue of sexual abuse is so bad, because there's just it's so, so easy to get away with. That's the problem. So, what should say Muslim women do? Because it happens in our community too, mm-hmm. right? People who are victims of sexual abuse. What yeah. recourse do they have? Because Chances are they don't have witnesses, mm-hmm. right? Chances are it's usually a close family member or a close friend or someone um, who who they confide in or someone close who commits the action. So what recourse do they have to 
getting justice for what happened to them. See, that's the thing. It, it, we're talking just theoretically and ideally. Right, okay? of course. Uh, theoretically and ideally, I think that uh, as soon as something like this happens, it should be logged, right? And the log should be a national log, not a local police log, right? So you, 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 you report it to the local police, but then it gets logged with a, nas a federal thing, mm -hmm. nationwide. Right, because you can't expect local police to be corroborating. People move around and do these things in different states, right? And then a person, if if now multiple accusations are coming upon a person, and it's a you have a federal log, right? And now you have two and three and four in different states. Now you can take action, right? You can actually call call in these um, these uh, these look at these allegations and measure them against each other. The witnesses don't know each other. They're reporting the same thing. How is this, right? Obviously, something went on, and some kind of tazir or discretionary punishment is put down on the person, right? I mean, I'm thinking. I'm just thinking, like, how else are you going to do it? Yeah, which is which is like why it's such a serious issue, and like a lot of times the only recourse I guess that people have mm -hmm. is going public, right? Well, that's a problem. Yeah. If you didn't have a system, think about it. Think about what I'm saying. It, I think it makes total sense. You should have a nationwide um, uh, uh, registry, basically. Anytime someone does an act of sexual abuse, right, you report it. The report by itself, a single report, right, doesn't do anything, mm -hmm. right? Because I can make up a single report. Right? Anyone can make up a single report. We're not saying, right? It could possibly, it could happen. A second report now in a different location flags it should, a flag should go up a third report in a third location or even in a second and a third and a fourth report in the same location uh, the person should be flagged he should be flagged right and these reports should be totally private because women don't want to report to the hr because they don't want to lose their job well what's the hr going to do anyway right they can't prosecute so you're in the sphere of the superior so Matt Lauer, no one wants to go against him because he's more important than the HR, right? The guy was making $25 million a year. If he gets upset with someone in HR, right, uh, who's, way, who's, who's more important to NBC? But if you have it that, let's say, just your fingerprint or just some uh, anonymous uh, piece of information that links the, the one making the allegation and the testimony so that there's not even a fear that her name will leak out as accusing the guy, okay? And then now it's in the registry. It's in his registry. He has a registry. And he should be informed you have a registry, okay? And I don't know, maybe informing him or not. Um, it might set, It might actually... Actually, you don't inform him because that might jeopardize the girl who was just victimized, okay? Because he'll know that you just ratted me out, okay? And he might get more violent. So it's anonymous in that it's not totally anonymous in that there's some piece of information linking the person to the um, to the to to the uh, the account to the testimony, and then they just monitor it. If a second one comes out, a third one comes out, and a fourth one comes out, then you have an investigation, right? And at at the very least, think about it. I mean, if these people do this stuff, I don't think that anyone does this stuff one time. I really don't. There are certain things you don't do once in life, you know. There are certain things, you're, it's just part of your behavior. You're like a repeat type of person, right? And I think this is one of them. This is one of the things, the behaviors that people repeat over and over. 
And now here's the worst thing. The worst thing is when it's in the house to a minor and the guy is just picking on the same girl. And that happens a lot between a man and his stepdaughter, right? And more disgustingly, it could be a, a man and his niece or his daughter herself. Now, this is a really, this is something where you're, you, you need something beyond police. Like, there's no way to police these things because some people are actually sexually abusing minors, like nine and eight and nine-year-old stepdaughters, right? And by the way, the, the, the punishment of rape is the punishment of zina. And in some books I read that it's qatr. Yeah, qadi ayat. Rape is punishable by death, right? Just as if you stick someone up for their money, that's punishable by death. Like if I beat you up with my bare hands, okay, and take your money, that's theft. In this case, you took something else. Yeah. This, oh, you took something way more valuable, right? But so, so if I actually threaten you with words and with my hands for money, it's not punishable by death. But if I take out a, a weapon or if I brandish a weapon and ask you for your money, right? So what is that? That's, punish, that's punishable by death. So that's basically I'm taking something valuable from you by use of force. Well, what's more valuable? Money or like a woman's like privacy and dignity and all that stuff. So Qadi Ayad of the Maliki school said that that's punishable by death. Okay, that rape is punishable by death. Sexual abuse doesn't always have to be rape, right? It could be less than that, but it's still as traumatic. It's still traumatic, right? So that I don't see a solution. Do you see a solution for like so, stepfathers and girls? And usually people, no one knows about this until she's like 18, right? Or she comes out with it. I don't know about a solution for that, but I mean, one thing, and it was a point that I was going to make, and I think Ali over here made the same point here, is that, you know, summarizing what he said, sort of like these are two different systems we're talking about, the Sharia and things in the U.S., right? And in many cases, the system we have here is a system of dhulm, of oppression. So now we're kind of like mixing and matching two different things. Oh. So the system itself isn't going to do much for you, you know. Well, here's you, the thing. So like if everything is set up right, mm -hmm. you know, the the you know, like why do women not go to the police, right? Because in many cases, there's not even an investigation. Nothing even happens, right? So like what and then. On top of that, everybody looks at her and accuses her and, you know, lashes out at her. So, like, you know, what's the incentive? You know, in the right system, I think at the very least, an investigation would take place mm -hmm. and we would see if there is substantial evidence. So I think the first point is, like, the system itself, the whole thing is wrong. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's well, why... That's why we have Hamza other, here. Yeah. Because I don't know what... <laughs> no, because Ali, just, just a phrase for people to say, Ali says, okay... Neutral question for the sake of discussion. <laughs> you know, I'm, just, I'm just getting a kick on uh, Murad Uthman. <laughs> if a facet comes to us with information, we have been ordered to verify it. Well, yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's here. let's look at this before we address uh, uh, the, the other comment. For the sake of discussion, is it not problematic that we are discussing the Islamic Sharia ruling on this matter when it is not an Islamic court? Right. No, we're actually not because we're saying if we were to provide a... Um, if we were to contribute a right. commentary on this, the status quo, this is how this is what we would put forth. Like, yeah, based on our principles, but nothing that we've said so far is revelation based only. Like all that we've said so far is maqul al mana, right? It's rationally comprehensible that you get. Uh, it's based on our principles, 
but these even these principles are all rationally comprehensible. Mm-hmm. So they're not exclusive to revelation. Right? So we're not here advocating for lashes on someone, right? Yeah. Which would be something we're that not. is revelation based, <laughs> right? Uh, we're advocating and we're saying something that is completely uh, rationally comprehensible. Now, what the punishment would be, maybe we differ on that because we do have in Sharia an issue with jail. Jail is not totally out of the picture, right? But we do have an issue with jail, okay? Because it does upset other things and does a zulm in another, um, in another sphere. But the, thing, the issue is that I, I really see that this makes total sense. And I don't know what the law is, but you have a national registry. Because apparently this whole thing is an epidemic and even in Muslim homes, okay? Even in Muslim homes. It's an epidemic in the country. You have a national registry where women can anonymously but with a connection to their identity, right? There has to be a connection because once this number, how do you know one one accusation from the next? You need to, and she could, she could repeat. Like if she was accused on Monday, and then accused next Monday, she could file it again with all the details of the report, right? But at some point, when they do an investigation, they've got to be able to contact the witnesses. And they can keep her name anonymous the whole time, but they need to have a way through social security number or through some other way to contact the person and say, hey, it's been 10 years since you made your accusation. In the past 10 years, 15 other people have made accusations. So now... We're coming to privately, nothing public, we will privately uh, discuss your allegations, right, in an interview, okay, that is completely, uh, in the sense, private, not going to go public, you're not going to be asked to take the stand, okay. If you remember that doctor from Michigan, who, he was the most disgusting one. Oh, the gymnastics. Yeah, the gymnastics uh, guy. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, his, it was the same thing. That's why I said all these guys have a pattern. Yeah. And then they have a habit. You should check her on the board, right? Or, uh, he's doing a, bu- a checkup. He asked her to lay down on the, on the, the board, whatever, that, the medical uh, table, right? And then he goes on. And sometimes it was like a 12-year-old girl. The mom is right there, right? The mom was right there. But he had like a medical towel, and he's like, I just have to check and make sure everything's okay. The mom is right there. Okay. You know what the worst thing in that was? Even the parents, even when the kids told them happened. Yeah, the parents, they yeah. shut them down. Yeah, they, That's why I'm saying you, you can't go to family on these things. You're just going to divide them, right? You got to go to an anonymous source of, of agents. Yeah. So one point, like even with that, right, I think yeah. there should be some kind of policy where there's some sort of investigation, even if it's one accuser, because a lot of times you can find other types of evidence yeah. to prove rape, like, you know, certain medical things. I'm not sure the exact details, but there are ways to prove it um, uh-huh. that something happened. So I think as soon as there's, you know, I'm not saying convict the guy automatically, but there's got to be some middle path where, you know, someone accuses, all right, let's hear you out, like what happened. And I'm sure there's like all kinds of ways you can go about establishing evidence. So, you know, not even waiting for a few to come out, even the first one. Actually, an you investigation know what? If you can find something. Well, that's a good point. Well, here's the thing. You know, one of the things they could do is the reason I, I never put that is that when there is an accusation like that, I think that in this theoretical system that we've thought up, because they, <laughs> they, the the agency, okay, the National uh, Sex Abuse Hotline or agency, whatever it is, that's what they got to create. 
they should wait some time. Because if they pick up the next week and say, we need to talk to you, that would tip him off of who's right accused. Now, if that's a daughter or a stepdaughter, then he could turn violent on her, right? So you gotta, I would say you have to think of that. We would have to think of that because think about this. Why is no one talking? None of the women were talking. They're afraid of something. Yeah. So if they're afraid that the person will be uh, will just uh, uh, get violent on them, then you have to wait some period of time. Well, then maybe you just track what happens later, because then if he gets violent, then that's another, you know, that's something that he can get convicted for. Well, so of then the violence, yeah. Yeah, so then he'll get on that. So then, I yeah. mean, like, as soon as the investigation happens, you know, even after that, keep tabs, like, yeah. see what's happening. Um, yeah. You know, and you keep that door open. So, like, let's say he does get violent on her, right? Yeah. Uh, but they weren't able to establish enough evidence. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he gets violent on her, maybe they can find something then. You know, bruises, whatever it is, you know. Well, he'd be just adding that, to his record. If yeah, he does, but yeah. then on that, even if you can't convict him on the on the sexual abuse, you convict him on violence and he's still... You well, know, still but, here, but here's the thing. There are a lot of other forms of violence that are not physical. Mm. And a lot of these people, they do this, right? And they'll put uh, turn the whole family against them. All right? All right, so let's... Uh, go, can you go to the questions? Because I can't really see them here. Yeah. Should we just... If we click on this, maybe. Uh, yeah. Oh, and you mind if I make a quick point? Yeah. So for all the people out there who, who feel the need to be Facebook muftis, uh-huh. should really stop. You know, like you said before, with people going around saying, you know, you need four witnesses this to even a, whatever, right? These things are very intricate and in-depth, and it should be left to the specialists in the field. Uh, as a community, we need to respect specialization. And, you know, people, need, people really need to fear Allah and not speak about the Sharia things that they don't know about. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're if you're aware of something in Sharia, you might be aware of a thing without being aware of everything else. That's why you have to have some kind of peer discussion on these things. Now, Saddam Akbar says, referring to the story of the kid with the reddish hair, was this man or woman given punishment? They weren't. There was no evidence, but they were separated. Okay, uh, extending this into the modern day situation, can evidence from okay, rape is different from zina. It's That's a different point. crime. You don't need four witnesses for rape. Yeah. It's a different crime. Okay. It, it is a different crime. Okay. Secondary evidence. Yeah, may, it could be. Secondary evidence could be enough. Yeah. I would have to look into the books of fiqh yeah. on that. But um, zina and rape are different. The issue of rape has to do with safety. The issue of zina has to do with public decency. Right. So someone said, oh, what's the point of the four witnesses? Because the crime against society is not when two people do their zina alone it's when they're doing they're so open and so public about it that they're corrupting society like pornography where they want everyone to see this they are so loose about it that they're doing that penetration is witnessable right can be witnessed uh, by themselves or by four people okay so that's it's an issue of public indecency Right, so or beyond public indecency, corruption of the public. All right, so that's why rape and zina are two separate crimes. All right, Ali says. In terms of family, would a form of sexual education be necessary? We have heard people uh, who say that children should be taught no means no, but for our own community, what are the parameters for us to have the discussion? with our kids about dignity, sex, the rights of men and women in their respective relationships. Don't be in khalwa. Um, you, if you have, you, you do, you have to teach this stuff. The, a couple things. I mean, once people get older, 
in the family, they have to be taught to keep their hands on their self, to themselves. Certain things um, should stop being things, right? Like certain cousins, for example, and what they do with their younger cousins. One, you have a 17 and a 7-year-old, right? Well, I mean, you got to learn to... to um, people have to learn to, to have limits. And in, the, in, in, Maliki, in Maliki Fip, you know that after two years old... You can't touch a girl. So, like, if there's a six-year-old neighbor, I can't go give her a hug, right? Mm. I can't, like, pat her on the back. Two years old in the Madaki school, you can't touch a girl. Yeah. Unbelievable. If it's not your daughter or your niece, okay? And this idea of, oh, we're just uh, of, of cousins as well, well, how do we know that that... Th- I'm sure this stuff happens with cousins all the time. Cousins doesn't mean that they have no desire for one another. I mean, who said that? So that is, that is an issue uh, as well. Right, we're talking basically here about, for those just joining, uh, what in our perspective from the education of the Sharia, what would we put forth? And Hamza, what is the law right now on this issue? Do you know? On sexual abuse? Yeah. I don't know what the law is, but obviously it's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, uh, the, the, the suggestion I'm making here to me, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right? Well, the, basically, like for any for any criminal charge or anything to yeah. stick, you have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. You have to prove it beyond ninety nine percent chance that yeah. it happened, which is a very insurmountable barrier when it comes to things like sexual abuse. Totally. Like you, uh, unless you have eighteen or twenty. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Unless you have. Something, yeah. Something crazy like that. Yeah. I don't know the specifics of the Harvey Weinstein Weinstein situation. Um, well, one of the things about Harvey Weinstein is he's not even pleading innocent, is he? I have no idea. The thing is about a lot of these guys, like Matt Lauer didn't, he didn't plead that he was innocent. The guy, the Michigan gymnastics, uh, whatever, the physician, he never pled that he was, he pled guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Harvey Weinstein pled that he was innocent, right? He didn't plead innocent. So once these numbers rack up, right, you still have a problem. And that's what you pointed to was like, well, that means a guy knows that he has like up to 10. Right. Right. So there has to be some kind of pressure put on a person that he should be given a message that you're now being observed in a sense. Not obviously not. You, you, we're, or we're on that something's going on. Okay. While the identity of the people making the allegations is protected. Okay. So he'll obviously know who's ratting him out. Mm-hmm. Right. So. I think I might have skipped over some We questions. skipped some. Khalid ibn Walid Raza is saying, Ali, because one of the brother to Dr. Wright. I know Khalid. He's just trolling. What is he saying? They were like in a little conversation. Okay. Yeah. You're being monitored. Yeah, basically. We get Murad to monitor them. Yeah, basically the idea is if you got if you got reported in this registry, Yeah. okay, then... At some point, you get a phone call, right? You get a call to your, to you get a call or a visit. I mean, a visit, that would be too many. It'd be like 100 million people getting visits <laughs> in America, right? You get a, you get a communique. It goes direct, straight, straight to you, not in the mail that anyone else could open. Mm. Straight to you, okay, without anyone knowing, right? You have been basically uh, reported, right? This is the report, okay? And I think people would start taking the issue seriously. 
right? This will probably create a lot of jobs, this registry, because apparently this is a massive epidemic. And um, we apparently have a, a, a seriously disgusting, okay? Well, that's what we're saying. Murad Uthman is saying, or people could file complaints. That's what we're saying. We're saying the woman com uh, files a complaint without her name, just like a number or some other identity thing that later on, if they need to contact her, they could contact her. She files the report, okay? And then it's there. And then you start monitoring after that. I, I think there's also another thing that people neglect to speak about. And it's kind of like a big elephant in the room. Hmm. And it's a it's an issue of the culture here where, you know, people going to uh, bars and, you know, different parties and stuff. And there's all this alcohol and all this free mixing and all of this, you know, all these sexual actions happening. And people don't know where the line is. People get a little bit drunk and then things happen. Right. Yeah. That definitely contributes to a lot of it. Like, where are these yeah. things happening? No, alcohol, in many cases, alcohol is a huge it's at issue, these kind yeah. of places. And, you know, also, right. if, if that was cut out, too, I think a lot of these cases, even with the whole thing with Kavanaugh, like, where, where were these things happening? At parties. Yeah. yeah alcohol, right? alcohol is always involved. Well, here, okay, so, here's the question. Murad is saying this could also be abu abused. Yeah, it can be abused. That's why we're saying that's there's not going to be a conviction yeah. on one. There's not going to be a conviction on one thing, right? Yeah. You, you can't even convict on three. You need a beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? So you're, if it's mutawatir, like 20 separate people, right? And over time, they will probably come up with a number or whatever, yeah. right? So you're not going to have a <laughs> conviction on one. You're not going to have a conviction on two. But, and just the idea that this agency, this agent calls or contacts the person, says you had a complaint filed against you, that's not an accusation. It's not even an accusation, a legal accusation. It's not a prosecution. It's just you're now being informed that you have a record, and maybe that would you know, put the guy on watch. Yeah. Now, I think I'm, many people conflate complaints with convictions yeah that's that's a and problem. like that's an issue that's where like all this conversation about even oh you have to have four witnesses to even be able to say something yeah. like that that's i feel like that's an issue that have people need to distinguish in their minds now another yeah. question like can't these things be proved through like dna testing and other things well here's well, the I'm not, I'm here's not, the other sure about in the, the from going back in the past i don't know if you can well i'm well we live today. well here's the thing like today no no Is i mean that... i mean like if it happened like six months ago so like how are you, what are you gonna do so what if it happens like like that second, right? Like, are there things that can be done? Well, there uh, even that medically speaking, you would have to have a specific type of DNA because uh, a specific. For example, if it's a stepfather, right? Do you know how easy it is to get a piece of his DNA? Mm. Like a nail clipping or a piece of hair, right? All right, would uh, be sufficient. So that won't work. Mm -hmm. But I, I would say, yeah, if she has an issue. She should come forth with her thing and send everything that she possibly could. Right. And then if you can prove it using that. Yeah. Then you just yeah. keep that in a file. Okay. Keep that in a file. And, and then you see what happens over time. All right. So Khalib uh, what he says, issue with DNA is what is the guy accusing oh, the girl? Oh, okay. Hey, listen. Listen. Uh, the accusation could go both ways. But then isn't there a way to yeah. see if it, he was violently going in? Huh? Isn't there a way to see if he was violently going in on her uh, that's the thing i'm not sure to what extent these yeah things i mean are. Like, like i know like i just don't know you, anything yeah I'm, you I'm, look you can look at like traces of yeah. like injuries and I'm things like yeah that. i'm looking at the most impossible type of sexual abuse to prove <laughs> right 
Who are these fools that you guys are friends with? Uh, cilantro Alfred Magnifico. Just the name. I'm not even reading this, okay? <laughs> Named himself after a vegetable for a salad, okay? And he thinks he's magnificent. He's tr- he wants to talk about uh, McGregor. We're talking about something serious, and this, this guy is giving some dopey comments. And we're talking about a serious topic. So this dope over here is talking about Khabib and McGregor's. At- is he serious or what? I don't know. I think it was appropriate, but we can go back to. <laughs> I mean, we are. Aren't, aren't, aren't we talking about? Oh, he. I think he is serious. No, I don't think he is. He's trolling. He's trolling yeah. from an Islamic perspective. Because I mean, he's being dopey. We're trying to talk about a serious subject, and and he's asking about. All right, we'll get to your McGregor thing because I don't even know what happened in the first place. But we'll get to that in the in a second. But we're talking about something serious here, which is that we're trying to come up with ideas. And where do these ideas come from? Okay. Uh, so where do these, uh, he's not trolling. Okay. All right. Cilantro says he's not trolling. Okay. The whole account is a troll if it's named after a salad or whatever. Okay. Anyway, let's get to, let's get back to the issue here, which is that, um, I, what I'm looking at is the least most, uh, easy to hide type of sexual abuse, mm-hmm. right? Groping, right? A guy gropes a woman, okay? Impossible. There's no evidence, yeah, that's, right? Yeah, that's the issue. Unless, if there's no eyewitnesses, okay? But, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I'm taking that and saying, well, yeah, you could in eventually. If this guy has received complaints, this many complaints from women who don't know each other, right? It, it'll, it'll take years, right? But it's something is better than nothing. It'll take years. But you will eventually have something. So mm-hmm. I am. Uh, I, that's yeah, I that's guess, the idea. I guess we're not we're not gonna find the solution on a podcast, but I, I it is an that, idea to throw yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, I mean to how to implement that. Who knows? Yeah. But it's our. It's it's just uh, something that seems like it's common. So I wish we had Alex here to uh, yeah. to give us his yeah, take. Yeah. All right. So now let's look at what some of these other people are saying. But on All a right. quick point, I think it is important that. We do initiate the discussion at least. Yeah, it's I important. Think, I think yeah. that's the important. It's important thing. to take the issue seriously, yeah. and in, in practicality, it's important to take accusers seriously right. too. Yeah. So let's now, let's take a look at some questions here. Levon Brown says one must keep in mind context. There are demographics of the population that are already profiled and monitored this for crimes. This is a good point. So there must be a watchdog to ensure that such things don't. Show. Right. Now, okay. Now he's saying the pattern of racism. Now here's the thing. That's why I'm saying that. The idea of accusers being people who don't know one another strengthens the case, yeah. right? Right, strengthens the case. Yeah. Well, I think what he's talking about is is your idea of creating like a registry. Yeah. Um, and the discretion on whether to prosecute or not or take action would lie with the government. Yeah. Right? It wouldn't lie with the individual accusers. Well, what, yeah. So it. So what he's so what he's talking about, I think, is if the government decides. That okay, we we're gonna take this threat more seriously because it's a white girl accusing a black guy. Well, right? well, here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. You have anonymity. You don't know anything about the accuser. You have like a number. Obviously, they could look it up, right? Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You have a type of anonymity because you want to remove as many bias factors as possible, mm-hmm. right? You want to remove all those as possible. So, uh, to the agent, he gets a number. Right, he sees a number. He doesn't see that whether it's a rich person or a poor person. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
So, all right. Now Khaled bin Walid Riza says Islam is, of course, yeah, we know that. That's why we have the whole organization, right? But, uh, and I'm not being facetious, but yeah, that's easy to say, well, it's alcohol, obviously, is the problem. And the dean, yeah. yes, of course, we know yeah. that. Well, I think uh, in, a, in a perfect situation, we could flesh a lot of things out a lot better if yeah. the entire system was right. And here's the thing. He's right about this yeah. because he's saying we should, we should look at what we have in our Sharia. Yeah. And so many, of, so many people out there, right, uh, when, you, when you ask the question, well, what does Allah and his messenger say about this? That's what he's right about. They should have some more confidence because especially, and you're in the field, right? People, Muslims in law... Right, they oftentimes have a, a very like lo, almost low opinion. Right. Am I right about that? What do you mean? They have well, like of Sharia. They like either are very ignorant on it, or they actually view it as something to be embarrassed about. Yeah, yeah, because very arrogant. Yeah, because people aren't are. I think anyone who's embarrassed is ignorant and don't know the power of like and the expansiveness of the system that we have. Because yeah. in reality, it's far superior to to the American legal right. system, the legal system. Yeah. And you got to keep in mind, if you take out khalwa, you take out alcohol, you take yeah. out so many things, I mean, that takes the percentage of, yeah, that, that of, takes of, percentage of things a lot lower. So then the amount of things to sift through becomes a lot less and easier to... Yeah, I totally to, think that um, in, in families, like big families, um, the issue of khalwa has to be observed. Yeah. I don't care who it is. Let's say if it's yeah, like, it's a, you're, you're, um, no matter who it is, when you have people who are almost defenseless, they sh- they have to observe that. It's got to be observed. Yeah. Issue of khalwa and masajid. Our whole masjid is CCTV. Right. The whole masjid. Yeah, um, yeah that's smart. CCTV. Yeah. Even my dad's office, we have a we have a, a camera. Yeah. Always playing. Yeah, because yeah. you don't know what can happen. Yeah, you have to. Have yeah, you have to take your yeah. precautions and and you know you just never know what can happen. Also, I do think it's important for discussions like this. Yeah. To, like, to have like female input. Because yeah. Yeah. like we like a lot of times as men we can be tone deaf to a lot of things. That's true. There and might be some things that we overlook. Yeah, and like societal barriers. Even like for example, like we may think that oh, it's so easy to come forward with with like right. uh, an allegation or an accusation right. or something. Well, why are they not coming exactly. forward? So what's going yeah. on? So yeah. like there's clearly like issues that they being different from us that they can right. they feel differently about. Well, a hundred percent. They have to have them on uh, the. And we're just working with like what we have, which right. is mm-hmm. us, yeah. and that's what I got. I got you, to, you guys. Right? Yeah, no, I'm just saying on like a, on a, on yeah, a larger on a, scale. On a larger yeah. scale. Yeah, on a larger scale. And the thing is that, and we're looking at it from a legal perspective, right? right? Which is, I guess, universal because right. um, that's just the law, right? And how would you prosecute? How would you go after someone? And what mm-hmm. kind of evidence is? And that's all you can find is that yeah. the toatur of the evidence. All right. So now, do you want to go on another topic now? Um, let's see what your salad uh, boy wants to say here. Okay. Is he still, is he still watching? I don't know. I insulted him. So, uh, do you believe Khabib's actions were an appropriate response to McGregor? I really don't know uh, what I didn't see it. So, I, I didn't see it. But what did he do? He beat up some of these guys. No. So basically, what what the situation was? Conor McGregor is a major trash talker. Yeah. Um, so in the entire, entire lead up to the fight, Connor and his team, they insulted, like insulting Khabib, Khabib's yeah. family, his religion, all this kind of stuff. And like it's trash talk. It's not necessarily personal, but for a guy like Khabib, where he comes from, it's more like Joe Rogan actually said it when the commentator of the fight. He said, "His man, where the kind of person he is, for him, it's about honor." Yeah. So his he felt his honor was attacked. 
right, and repeatedly attacked, and he thought he had to take action. And later on, Khabib said it wasn't the best best idea for him to do that. Yeah, his dad he, said the same yeah, thing. His dad said the same. Yeah. Thing. So See, like, the thing is, I t- I viewed the whole thing of him going out and punching someone in the crowd. I loved it. I viewed that as great theater. That yeah. is so great. If I'm UFC, I'm happy, right? Yeah, of yeah, course. Well, UFC, like, yeah, they're making yeah, money. UFC yeah. always they're not losing loving kind of this. stuff. Yeah. And okay, here's a question from Levon or a statement. He's saying gender segregation is effects of morality. Okay, this also can be taken to extremes. Also, in the society, gender segregation without the proper education and raising of morality can breed its own other deviant trends. Well, here's what I'm saying. There are two ways you can do gender segregation. You could do it completely uh, segregated, which I think is going to be unhealthy because it's too odd, right? Or you could just casually separate, which means that if you have a gathering, the females are eating in one area and the males are eating in another area, right? But we're living in America and so. it's 2018, Chef. <laughs> I mean, and that, but that gender segregation is like... All right, it's not. There's nothing unnatural. There's right. nothing right. like if a if a non-Muslim walks in, because I always look at let's say how we have an MBIC. I always want it to be that anyone could walk off the street, a random person, and a scholar could walk off the street. The person that comes off the street won't feel that this is so odd and bizarre, and the scholar at the same time will also not see the any maharam happening, mm-hmm. any haram things happening. So that's how I try to look at it because. Um, you have to be almost seamless. I don't really believe. I, I think that's not healthy to have a completely, um, completely different culture in your places of worship and your home, your workplace. Right? There needs to be some differences, obviously, but uh, there should be. It should be somewhat seamless. Uh, Murad says we have separate bathrooms. Well, not anymore. That's the problem, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's true. I mean, in some of the schools now, they they have signs. I mean, you could use whatever bathroom you want, but obviously, I know what he's talking about, though. Yeah. yeah. And all right, here's the last question. Mahmoud Fajr says, Sheikh, if every accusation of rape without any substantial evidence should be taken seriously, then what's the protection of the Sharia for men? We're not taking, like we said, we went over this that. Um, making a filing a report is nothing other than a report it's right. not a conviction it's not an accusation like legally speaking it's an accusation from the uh, victim side but that's why we're saying it would take a lot it would take re- repetition right if if all you have is he said she said then all you have to make any form of accusation or conviction is repetition so the way or, or uh, is numbers so the way forward is to find a system where you can gather these numbers, right? That's all we're saying. And like I said, well, how do you know that people aren't lying? Same thing, because you see that they're different. Well, we have to have a system, right? Yeah. Like it can't be like where uh, nobody comes in and says anything. Like we have a system in place where we can sift through what's true and what's not. Yeah. That's all we're saying here. Yeah. All right. So uh, Shabana says, how is a woman supposed to prove this? Okay. Yeah. What if it's just one person? That's the problem with sexual abuse because the accusation of one person is not going to fl- go anywhere in a court. That's the problem with sexual abuse. And that's why the, this idea of this proposed registry is to collect because wh- what I believe in, and I think it's pretty much true, is that anyone who does this sexual abuse is repeat. Right. They're all repeat. Uh, do- no one does something like that 
yeah. crosses that barrier once, you always go back to it. If you get away with it, you go back to it. So and because they don't know each other, you can establish proof. Yeah, and Murad is saying how many numbers? Well, you have to see that over time. The definition of mutawatir is so many that it's impossible that it was correct. Bad. So, so it, it would, would be, be it would be a case by case. So if it was just like you know, if it was two friends, well, it's possible that they conspired. Correct. But if it's two and one is from Jersey and one is from another place and it, they never had it contact, elevates exactly. it elevates so the testimony. that changes so yeah. mutawatir changes. Yeah, it elevates the testimony. So you would have it almost be a case by case basis because, like you said. Four from four different parts of the country exactly. is very different from four from the same place. Or the same, yeah. When the time is spread, right. right, it elevates. Four from within one day is different from four over mm -hmm. ten years. Four in one day, he could have been drunk that day. It doesn't change his guilt, right? But it elevates it, all right, if it's over mm -hmm. time. So the answer to Murad is you'll figure that out based on other factors. You can't just pin it to a number, okay? It can't just be pinned to one number. Shabana says, so there would be a registry created for all men on earth. How does this work? Well, no, uh, not on earth, but per country. I'm telling you, well, uh, I mean, it is, it, is, uh, it is very feasible. We already have this registry. I mean, everyone is registered in the country that they live in. Okay, And if we care about the issue, then you, you spend the money to do it, right? Don't we care about the issue? I mean, how, much, how many millions do we spend on defense? Yeah. I mean, you, so this is a violence on the inside of the country. You spend millions. This thing deserves millions of dollars, right, yeah. to protect people on the inside of the country. So we're not saying, so every country can do this, right? Yeah. And these records already exist. Like the record already exists. It's a, yeah. it's a police report. When you get it, when you apply for a job and they do a background check, that's yeah. what they're looking at. And right. So it's it already exists. It's not it's yeah. not that difficult. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I mean, someone says, don't know how I feel yeah, about more government. Well, we're talking about in the context of like a security system. You need, you need security. I mean, yeah. you can't have no government at all or, or you can't have less government in every single uh, way. So someone here is saying he doesn't know how he feels about more government. Well, then what do you propose? Yeah. Do nothing. Right. All right. Abdullah Smoothie says. How do we balance and reconcile between the need for witnesses as per Islamic Sharia versus the modern methods of DNA and other methods? We already we did already address this, and we said that zina and rape are two different crimes. Right. That's the first thing. Okay, and in other crimes, secondary evidence is established as a source, and we gave the example of Prophet Yusuf Zina. Zina, we said, has to do with um, corrupting the public. So. Uh, we did mention it, but it's okay. We can mention it again. Um, so the idea of sexual abuse being it has to be four witnesses, this is um, not the case. Crimes, a lot of crimes don't need four witnesses right, to have viewed the crime. Okay. And so. when you look in the fifth books, iqtisab is in a different category than zina. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. one has a, a victim uh -huh. and the other one is two people coming together. Yeah. to do something it's it's totally different it's a it's a completely different crime and sexual abuse is a completely different crime from zina yeah okay murad is saying so it's statistical analysis yeah there will be some statistical analysis just think about how hadith is hadith is very much similar to this because it's testimony for example uh a young narrator a child almost taking from a senior sheikh if they're both trustworthy, that one hadith by itself will still be suspect. If, if, a, if a reliable narrator took at the age of six years old from a sheikh who was at 90 years old, right, that link itself 
is has commentary upon it right. because of their ages. Okay, even if both of them are turn to uh, in in their prime, we're completely trustworthy. So there is statistical analysis. There's age. There's distance. There's location. There's um, the time between accusations. So there's a lot of a lot of different uh, things. And I'm telling you, we worry about the enemy from the outside. What about the enemy from the inside? So this thing does deserve to be almost like a wing, right, of whatever uh, internal security. Like Homeland Security is uh, a division that was created after 9-11, okay, to make sure that there is no terrorist attack happening, uh, happening on the land. Well, this thing to me, it would seem to me, if I was, if I was running a country, let's say I was the king of a country, th to have the people be secure in my country, that's my pride, right? So I would want them, I would, I would spend what it needs to not have an epidemic like this happening, right? And yeah, there's going to be teaching on the inside, but from the outside, externally speaking, you're going to have, um, there has to be some kind of force, some kind of agency, something breathing down the neck of anyone who is accused of this, right? Until you find enough data to actually look at this. And like they say in, in America, they say, ask 100 people at the bar, right? You get enough data and you look at this, you're like, there's something going on here, right? There's something going on here. Because you look over time, you look people who don't know each other, and you look at this and you realize that something's going on, right? How would you deal with a verbal abuse? This is normally where it starts. What would you recommend for that? Verbal abuse, uh, in terms of the perspective I'm looking at, which is the perspective of law and order, right? Speech... There are very few crimes, right? Speech has very few crimes, like slander. Which, which one is written? Libel is if it's in writing. Yeah. Slander uh, and then hate speech, right? Yeah. Even though it's very hard to punish. It's very hard to punish those. So I would say that, yeah, it does start at speech, but I don't think that the law can... And yeah. can because one of the proofs of that is that even in the Quran is that we know the story that Prophet Dawood was worshipping in, uh, in his room and then two men appeared behind him, two farmers. He turned around and he said, I, this is my partner, he, this is my neighbor, he has 99 um, uh, animals. I have one animal. And then he yelled at me, right? And he berated me to give me the one animal, right? Then Dawood, Prophet Dawood he judged immediately and he said, uh, most he has wronged you by asking for the animal, right? And most associates these days are corrupt. And then all of a sudden they vanished and disappeared. Then Prophet Dawood realized that they're angels. They came to test him and then he prostrated and he made tawbah for that judgment. Why? Because it is not a crime to ask for a camel or an animal, right? It's not a crime. He made it instinctive and he didn't ask the other person what happened. We learn a lot from this story, okay? He didn't ask what the, the uh, accused, what happened. Even if the, if the guy says, yes, I did do that, where is the crime? Asking is not a crime. So now in Islam, yeah, we have things to say in Sharia, in the sight of Allah. Yeah, there are things to say about verbal abuse. However, the law cannot uh, get into verbal abuse. And even where there is... Such accusations, it's very hard to um, to prosecute. Does is there anything in the Sharia that about verbal abuse and what happens in that case? 
What's that? So like from a Sharia perspective. Yeah. Is that something that would be like fined or anything, or it would? Is there any kalam on that? Or? I've never heard that there's anything other than something but sin between you and Allah Taala if you berate someone. Right. Okay. Yeah. Some fair questions. Yeah. All right. So Khaled still he still wants no government. I have to think more on this in a vacuum. I would love government to do what you propose, uh, but fill in the drawing with color and context uh, where we are. I have my doubts. All right. I mean, I you, you, trust me. You're gonna see they. they this idea I, mean, I don't trust the US government so me yeah I mean to me I don't even say the US government anymore yeah we're just do you know about how many system. do you know how many branches of government are do you think like they're a monolith it's like when someone says oh Muslims are this Jews are that do you know the US government is not monolithic right the US government has composed of human beings some of whom are ethical some of whom are not and many of whom are in the between right so just the idea of in political discussion to talk about to say the word the government it really betrays ignorance to be honest with you right because it's there's so many uh millions and thousands of millions of people and today's roll call of who works for the u.s government in 10 years is going to be 70 percent different anyway right? right from the highest offices to the low to the to the lowest offices uh in the u.s government so to me, I really think that um, anytime we say the U.S. government, the whole statement has to be thrown out. Right? Um, he says here, when we talk about Sharia, are we talking about a specific method? No. These are all, uh, and most of these pr principles that we're talking about, they're derived from the principles of the Muhaddithin. Yeah. Because the Hadith scholars are the ones who had to deal with which testimony should we act should we act upon what hadith should we take action upon so the principles that i'm looking here at here you mostly will find them in the books of jarh wa ta'deel and the biographies of jarh wa ta'deel are so amazing because you read these biographies and then you find a point that is uh, uh you know sticks out yeah. such as what i just said about someone who uh, 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 uh upright scholar who cites from another upright scholar both of them are completely upright but the link of the two of them won't be accepted right because of the age difference for example things like that all right last question we'll take here is how do you get rid of westwasa you would just ignore it westwasa and it may be psychological may need to get treatment uh psychological treatment but in Sharia, we just ignore it. We call it mustanka hishak, someone who is literally connected or married to doubt, uh, to um, doubt or waswasa. Then at that point, a person should just ignore it and continue his salah uh, or wudu, uh, but um, should ignore uh, the waswasa. So let's stop here. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk. Wal asr inna al-insana lafi khusr. إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله